Praise be to God. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, Romans 12. And we are completing today our Summer in the Spirit series. Now, you look outside and it doesn't seem like summer, does it? But according to the calendar, fall starts tomorrow. So it's still technically summer, and we're going to milk this for all it's worth. Glory be to God. Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read from verse 3 through verse, uh, um, through verse 8. All right, verse 3 through verse 8. It says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for uh, your divine wisdom by which you created all things. Uh, God, the original creation and the new creation that we are in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for the body of Christ. And we thank you for the gifts that you've put in the body. And we ask you, Lord, to give us wisdom and insight into ourselves and into others and your purposes for us as a body in this community. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Now, I've been talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit over the last uh, several weeks, right? So uh, two weeks ago, we talked about ministry gifts, and um, uh, last week, we talked about what might be called the miraculous gifts. Uh, today, I want to talk about what is commonly known as uh, the list of motivational gifts, the motivational gifts. So the the ministry gifts are found in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the miraculous gifts are found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And these motivational gifts obviously are found here in Romans chapter 12. Now those different names that are given to them aren't necessarily found within the passages themselves. But the ideas uh, behind those certainly are, and those are useful terms for us to sort of get a handle on these things and, and define them and to be able to talk and teach about them. So uh, the first thing that I want to note here, if you've noticed kind of a pattern here from Ephesians 4, from 1 Corinthians 12, and now in Romans chapter 12, is Paul consistently talks about the body of Christ. The gifts are not meant to be sort of like um, superpowers, sort of like, you know, you watch the, the, the Avengers movie or X-Men or something like that, and each have their own kind of quirky uh, sort of superpower that they use, and, you know, they, they might operate individually or come together as a team and fight other bad guys who also have superpowers, right? Uh, that's not the way the gifts of the Holy Spirit 
are distributed. That's not the purpose behind them, and it's certainly not how they function. There is consistency here. Whenever the Word of God repeats something, it's trying to get something through to us. And the body of Christ is this sort of common denominator in the functioning of the gifts. And so that's an important point to bring out. Now let's look at this passage so that we can get an understanding of what Paul is talking about when he presents this list. Uh, This list, as with the other lists, uh, there's kind of seems to be overlap. And so uh, our eyes can kind of cross in the midst of that and we're like, well, there's overlap. I guess this is all the same. Well, it's, it's really not all the same. These are different uh, categories of gifts and we have to look at them each in their own context to understand what he is getting at here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So he says, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So the first thing he talks about here is humility. Humility. Humility is the essential ingredient. It's sort of the leaven in the lump that makes this thing work. It's, it's, it's something that's essential for a proper operating of the gifts. Now, we alluded to this last week when we talked about the nature of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The miraculous gifts uh, were uh, were one body and we need to have respect and give room for each other, right? The ear can't say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the foot, I don't need you. Implied there is this element of humility. The truth of the matter is on Wednesday nights when we've been talking about the book of Philippians, we've talked quite a bit about this, about the nature of humility and the importance of humility. Paul says, hey, look, I want you to think of yourself with sober judgment. I want you to assess yourself and not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. I remember I was in a Bible study years ago when I was in college. I went with my dad. It was a uh, summer between my college years, and we were in a Bible study. And, um, you know, we're talking, reading the scriptures. There's a circle of people, and uh, people were sharing, and one... uh, a uh, young woman there frankly shared about her rebe- you know, rebellion, disobedience toward the Lord. Rebellion is a strong word. But she, just, she said, I've, I'm disobeying the Lord. I know that I'm disobeying the Lord. I forget what it was about. It was some minor thing. But it was uh, something she felt like the Lord was impressing upon her to do uh, or to not do. I think it had to do with sharing Christ with her neighbor. And she knew she was supposed to share Christ with her neighbor. And she was looking at herself with sober judgment. And she realized, hey, I'm not... I know that the Lord is prompting me to do this, and I'm not doing it. And she made a statement. She said, I just wish the Lord would break me. I just, Lord, just break me. And um, I thought then, and I've thought ever since then, uh, no, you don't want to pray that prayer. That's not a prayer that you want to pray. I want to tell you something about our God. I want to tell you something about our God. Our God is a terrible God. Now, I I use that word on purpose to give you plenty of opportunity to take me out of context and gossip about me. No, that's not why. The reason I use that word is because when we say awesome, remember that old song, our God is an awesome God? He's awesome in the sense that he's meant, he, he is supposed to inspire awe. 
if we have any lick of sense in us, we'll be awestruck by the Lord. He's, he's fierce. Exactly. Thank you. He's wild. You know, C.S. Lewis talks about, talks about uh, his, his Christ figure in his books, Aslan, who's it's a series of children's books, and Christ is symbolized by a lion. And he says, Aslan is not a tame lion. He's not tame. And if we aren't struck with a, a, a streak of terror at the greatness of God, we've lost our minds. That's what I mean by he's terrible. He's, he's awesome. He's still the God of Mount Sinai. Through Christ, we have mercy, but he isn't a different God. He's the same God. So don't go around praying, oh God, I'm just going to be disobedient and I'm going to ask you to break me. Um, It's better that we think of ourselves with sober judgment and that we judge ourselves. Not the only time Paul says this. He also says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, as as we're taking the Lord's Supper, we need to look at ourselves. We 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 need to examine ourselves. And he gives us that room and he's very patient. He gives us time for us to assess ourselves. Now, humility isn't just that end. He's saying, on the one hand, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. But as we're soon going to see, neither should we see ourselves lower than we should think. Because then we're not carrying out what God has called us to do, and that's not any good either. Humility is precisely what he says. It's a sober judgment. It's a clear assessment in faith, in God's presence, not by some psychological test, and certainly not just by looking at what other people say about us, but in faith, in the presence of the Lord, over time, we assess who and what we are. Because the next thing he tells us to do is, hey, if you have this gift, use it. If you have this gift, use it. If you have this gift, use it. It doesn't glorify God for you to bury your talent. That doesn't glorify God either. Again, quoting C.S. Lewis, he made a statement. He said, humility is not intelligent men saying they're stupid or beautiful women saying that they're ugly. That's not humility. Who likes the color of their eyes? Like the color, I'm not going to ask who doesn't. I like the color of my eyes. Okay, who can take credit for the color of your eyes? The natural colors, I'm not talking those crazy contact lens things, you know. We went out with a pastor and his wife one time. I thought, wow, I've never seen somebody with purple eyes before. (laughs) So who can claim, who can claim credit for the color of their eyes? You can't. In the same way, if God has put such and such a gift in you, you can't really claim credit for it. It's not humility for you to say, oh, no, no, I don't have that ability. That's not humility. Humility is saying, this is what I am, this is what I'm not, and I glorify God for being in between those points. How many can say amen? Glory to God. Amen. So he's saying, take a look at yourself. This is, this is essential for us to function together as a body, and it's essential for us to, uh, to uh, flow in the gifts that we have and not flow in gifts, not attempt to flow in gifts that we don't have. So that's an important point. Then he goes on, and he says, 
uh, in verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now he begins to name the gifts. I want you to count with me. Can we count together? If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who acts with mercy, with cheerfulness. How many? Seven gifts. How many think that that's pure coincidence? Correct. It's not coincidence. As a matter of fact, every single one of the gift lists has a particular number that's given to it. The ministry gifts, five. Why? What's the significance of five? For us as Gentiles, not a whole lot necessarily. But for a Jewish mindset, five immediately evokes the name of a great leader in the Old Testament. And that leader is Moses. Because the five books of Moses are ingrained in the Jewish mind. So when you're talking about the ministry gifts, these are the the leaders that lead God's people into the blessing that he has for them, it deliberately evokes this primal leader for the, for the Hebrew people, Moses, five. All right, so the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, what's that about? That's three times three. That's divine times divine. If you have any question, if the Trinity is involved there, go back to that passage, and it says, one Lord, one Spirit, one God. The Trinity is invoked right at the beginning of that. So there's this divinity that's involved there. And that's, that's a very kind of, again, a typical Hebrew thing to combine or compound uh, spiritual ideas through this sort of uh, the significance of numbers. So seven in this gift list is the number of spiritual completion. It's the number of totality. So what he's saying by listing these seven gifts is he's saying, look, if the body is operating in healthy fashion, if everybody is following these basic steps, we're looking at ourselves soberly. We're judging ourselves soberly. We're saying, I'm, you know, I would like, you know, I made the statement um, a couple of weeks ago, I wish I were an evangelist because evangelists get... They're flashy and they get to wear nice suits and all sorts of people respond to what they say. And I like that idea. But I've got to look at myself soberly and say, soberly assess myself and say, that's not a gift that the Lord has given me. It's just not a ministry gift that, that is ascribed to me. So for, for things to operate properly in my life, I need to say, I'm not that. But by the same token, I say, I am this. And then I can begin to flow. And, and, and what he's saying is, if everybody does that, all the bases will be covered. There'll be a completion. There'll be a totality that is operating in the church. So this is what we're moving toward. We're, it's a process that, that never ends, not until we see Jesus' face. But this is, this is the way the church is supposed to operate. Everybody has a gift when it comes to this gift list. Not everybody is going to be called to full-time vocational ministry, that gift list that we talked about from Ephesians 4. 
And not everybody, of course, is going to have all nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. If we're open, we can flow in some of them, maybe one of them. But that's, that's a purpose that God has for us. But in this gift list, this gift list, I would say, is the, actually the most basic gift list. Because this has to do with an inner drive that God gives to anybody. It, it's, it is supernatural because it's, it's given by God, by God's grace. But it isn't something that requires what we would call a miraculous manifestation. Now let me, let me take a look at these gifts with you uh, by your leave here. We've got these gifts, and they are mentioned. Prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity or contribution, leadership. Another rendering of that verb is helps. Right, So it's leading in a particular way. It's leading in a way to offer help to the church. And then lastly, acts of mercy. Showing acts of mercy. Now, there's an important thing about these uh, gifts. When it comes to, and again, comparing, when it comes to the ministry gifts, that's by particular calling, right? So nobody... Nobody, unless by particular calling, nobody's commanded. There's not, it's not a general command in the church that people be uh, prophets That's, or be, be apostles or what have you. That's by particular calling. That's not something that we would say there's a command. And even when it comes to the miraculous, it's not something that we wake up in the morning and say, well, I've got to be obedient to the Lord today and I've got to go heal somebody. And if I don't heal somebody of cancer today, I've somehow been disobedient. Is everybody tracking with me on that? We understand the difference there. But this list, list is, is different in that respect. How many thinks it's a command that we be merciful? Amen? It's a command that we be merciful. It's a command that we exhort one another. The book of Hebrews says, look, encourage one another every day as long as it's called today. So we're supposed to all encourage one another. I'm deliberately cherry-picking some of these things. Service. Are we supposed to be servants one to another? Is that a command? So here's the question in this. This kind of helps us understand what Paul is driving at, even when he picks out other things like teaching and prophecy. This group of gifts, there's a, a, a significant overlap between this group of giftings and just flat the commands of the Lord that are extended to everybody. So how do we play this? If we're not, if we, I'll tell you how not to play this, how to do it wrong. You have somebody who's just nasty. I mean, my pastor back in Kentucky used to say, what good is it if you speak in tongues if you're mean as a snake? If you're mean, he said, I've just met with people who are just mean. I mean, there's... No deep theological discussion that's necessary. They're mean. And you talk to them, they're like, well, I don't have the gift of mercy. No, you're just full of the devil. I mean, that's your problem. It isn't a, isn't a lack of gifting here. It's a lack of obedience. It's a lack of conformity to the image of Christ. So don't blame the Holy Spirit for the fact that you're mean. Well, he didn't give me that gift. So that's, a way, that's the wrong way to view this gift list. The proper way is to understand that 
All of these, to one extent or another, are commands. Now, clearly, some of them uh, hit us as more reasonable as commands, right? It's more reasonable for us to talk about generosity and mercy and service and exhortation, right? But when we get into other things like prophecy and teaching, um, that strikes us as, well, hmm, I, I'm not prone to prophesy or I'm not particularly a teacher. Again, I want to appeal to kind of a broader mindset in that day and really if we look at it in our own day. Um, the Jewish people understood that God had given to them a responsibility to be the teacher nation to the nations. That they were the ones that were to instruct others in who God really is. That there's not many gods and there's not no God. There's one true God and there are basic truths about him. So you don't need to be a teacher. You don't need to have a degree. You don't need to uh, have been to seminary or you know, teach in a Bible college or be a pastor or whatever to take on the role of teaching. And I dare say, if all of you think back at different points in time, God has given opportunity for you to talk with friends and family and sometimes even total strangers and to instruct them in the basics of the ways of the Lord, right? And, and, and you think, well, I don't have anything to say to anybody. And then you run into somebody and you're like, how can you not know this? This is basic. This is the Bible. These are How many have been in that position? But you don't consider yourself a teacher, but you were, in fact, instructing. That's what we're talking about. In that sense, it's a command. How many have felt a prompting, and you just, you just say, you know, I feel this scripture is for you. I feel like this is, you know, maybe this is a word of the Lord for you, or I was thinking about you, and I wanted to encourage you with this passage. How many... How many have done that before? How many have had the person respond, wow, that was exactly, how did you know? That was exactly, now, when we have that experience, does that mean, oh, I'm a prophet. I need to print up a business card and hand it out that I'm, you know, John Doe the prophet or what, what have you. No, but that's what we're talking about here. So in, in, in one respect, all of these different things are commanded to us all to do them all. We're all supposed to serve. We're all supposed to contribute. We're all supposed to be merciful. We're all supposed to exhort each other. So you say, well, if they're all commands, why is he list listing them as gifts? Well, see, now this is, this, is, this is where we get to it. This has to do with why people, I think, properly call these motivational gifts. You see, in the process of forward motion in the Lord, we're walking out our walk, we're obeying the word of the Lord. It's amazing what happens. It amazes, it's, it amazes me how the flowers bloom when we obey the Lord. When we just begin to obey the Lord and move forward. It's not always easy. When you first get saved, boy, everything's easy, right? Answers to prayer come and just woo. But in the course of time, there can be resistance. But nevertheless, as we move forward obeying the Lord, things make themselves clear. As a matter of fact, that is precisely how this whole passage is introduced back earlier in the chapter. He says, uh, do not be conformed to this, this is verse two, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind 
that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. As we move forward and walk out our walk, obedient to the word of God to the best of our ability and according to our faith, there's going to be a continual repetition. There's going to be a testing. There's going to be a discerning that comes into you, and you're going to find that there's certain grooves that you get in that you just run in. There's a flow. There's a particular blessing in that area. Imagine the path of God for the church being a seven-lane highway. A seven-lane highway from earth to heaven. It's a seven-lane highway. Now, you can, and at one point or another, maybe should operate in all of those lanes, but just like driving in the natural, people have a lane that they're kind of comfortable in. It's, it's, the, it's, it's the lane that they find their groove in. And what God is saying is, as you move forward and as you mature in your walk with God, as you obey him, pretty soon it's going to become more and more evident to you where the flow is. And what God is saying is, go with that flow. I hate to, I hate to reduce this, um, uh, use this illustration, but I, I saw, a, uh, by comparison, I saw a, um, a TV show about dogs, about training dogs. And why do some dogs... Uh, like to jump in the water and chase things? And why do other dogs like to dig in the ground? And some dogs are just excellent at hunting varmints, and other dogs are worthless for hunting varmints, but they're good barkers, they're good guard dogs or whatever. Um, you know, and some dogs are better at hunting and so forth. What is it? Well, over the course of time, those animals have been bred in such a way that they're happy. You're like, well, why would that dog do that? Why would that dog go and jump in that cold water? Because that's their groove. That's their breed. That's what, they, that's what they actually like to do according to their nature. And in the same way, God has a, partic- he has a total nature that he's given to, whole, to the whole church, but he has a particular nature that he's given to different people, and it's not always exactly what you would think. I have a personal sense of where I land in this, and I'm just using myself as an example because you have to put up with me every Sunday. Um, you might think immediately, up oh, teaching, that's his... T- I am a teacher, but I actually think my motivational gift is exhortation. Because I'm, from, from the time I was just a young man, I was always exhorting and encouraging, and it would, it would bother me if people were downcast and uh, if they were lagging in their faith. And Come on, you can do... You can do more. You can, you can put steam on this thing. You can be blessed. That's just a personal sense that I have. But each of us have our own uh, particular motivational gift. God wants us to put that gift into practice. He wants us to move forward with that. He wants us to bond together and to take action and to kind of put feet to what we, uh, to what we are supposed to do. I believe that this gift list itself is a tremendous gift to the church because it brings tremendous assurance to us. And it can really, upon meditation, and everybody's got to work it out for themselves, but upon meditation, thinking about this, 
clarity can come to us. Number one, it's assuring us God sees us and God has gifted us. Each one of us, he has gifted us. We have a gift. We have a purpose. In truth, we have compound gifts. These gifts work together inside of us. But we're going to fall somewhere in this list. And there's a respect that we can therefore have for ourselves and for others. Hey, just because they don't have my particular gift doesn't mean that they don't have value and it doesn't mean that I don't have value. Their gift might be just particularly strong in this area. I think about people who are the sort of the Marthas of the church, um, whether male or female. Not too many males named Martha, but um, there, there are males with the Martha spirit who have that kind of... And people dog on Martha a lot. You know, well, Mary's sitting at the Lord's feet. She's chosen what is better and it won't be taken from her. But Martha was a blessing too because she had that gift of service. And there are people, there are things, I can tell you as a pastor, we're doing things without people who are willing to serve, kind of get dirt under their fingernails and serve and have that service spirit. Things just don't work. But you know what? Service all by itself without mercy, it's, 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 yeah, it's empty, right? You just join the Rotary Club. I mean, you don't want to do that. We have to have mercy. But you know what? Mercy, if it's not tempered by exhortation, then everybody's just, oh, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, and it's not okay. So all of these things work together, and we, we develop a mutual respect for each other. The gifts complement each other, play off of each other, and we find our blessing in God. I believe as we pray as we live in community with each other, and as we move forward in the service of the Lord, these gifts are going to come alive in us. Recognize, hey, I, just, I might not be like somebody else, but it doesn't mean that I don't have something very powerful and very important to contribute. My gift is named. I have a feeling that as you look at these things, you might already have a sense of a leaning of where you are. You know, where you are. And what lane is your lane to stay in for the edification of the people of God? I want to ask uh, Pastor Joseph to come. And I want us to just pray. Pray for the body. To pray for yourself. That God's purposes be accomplished in you. God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose for your life. People live their whole Christian life in many ways, sadly, unfulfilled because they don't have a sense of their gifting. Um, I think one of the scourges of our age is social media. <laughs> For all that it's supposed to connect, I think it can do a lot of harm. And I like the, the little saying that people have put out. They call it compare and despair. You go on social media and you look at what somebody else is doing and what they're up to and you just think, well, they have it all together and I don't. But you know what? We can do that in the church. That was 
before Facebook, where we compare and we say, well, look, they've got it all together. They've got all these gifts and they're flowing in this uh, teaching or prophetic and these maybe some things that are a little bit more obvious. And we've got a gift that maybe isn't as obvious, but without it, the church is much, much poorer. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your mercy. God, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for the gifts of your Holy Spirit and how you've gifted your people. Father, we ask for a special grace to be given to us. Lord, that we wouldn't think more highly of ourselves than we should, nor that we would think more low of ourselves than we should. God, help us by your grace and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to understand who we are, what our role is in your body, in your plan for us all.